ان الحمد لله نحمد ونستعين ونستغفر ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله indeed all praise is due to allah and as such we should praise him seek his help and seek refuge in the law from the evil which is within ourselves and the evil which results from our deeds for whomsoever allah has guided none can misguide and whomsoever allah has allowed to go astray none can guide and i bear witness that there's no god worthy of worship but allah and that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the last messenger of allah in asdaq al hadith kitab allah indeed the most truthful form of speech is the book of allah wa khayra hadi hadi muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the best source of guidance was the guidance brought by muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa sharra al umuri muhdathatuha and the worst of all affairs are the innovations in religion fa inna kullu muhdathatin bid'ah for every innovation in religion is a cursed innovation wa kullu abdatin dalala and all cursed innovation is a source of misguidance wa kullu dalalatin fi an-nar and all misguidance leads ultimately to the hellfire brothers and sisters continuing on with the azkar of the day from the previous khutbas we had returned home from the masjid salatul fajr we remembered allah coming into our homes and we now sit down for breakfast the next major event in the home before we set out for work or school or whatever else we know the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was to say bismillah to mention Allah's name before eating and in fact it was common for him to say bismillah before doing anything of importance when we actually look through his sunnah we find him using bismillah not necessarily bismillahir rahmanir rahim but just at least the portion bismillah in the name of allah before doing deeds of importance and this is the reminder for us the literal translation of bismillah in the name of allah or with the name of allah 
seems incomplete. What do you mean in the name of Allah? Or with the name of Allah? When you say Bismillah. It is saying actually, in the name of Allah, I will do this act. I will do it with the remembrance of Allah. I'm remembering Allah while doing it. And this becomes a reminder for us that whatever we are about to do, it is by the permission of Allah that we are able to do it. It is by the grace of Allah and His mercy that we have had the opportunity to do it. And it is from His blessing, if we do it successfully, and we benefit from it, all of it goes back to Allah. So we say, before doing whatever we are about to do of some importance, some importance to us, we say, Bismillah. And as we said on other occasions, where we are entering into areas where there is potential misguidance, saying Bismillah also helps to keep us on the right path. As a remembrance of Allah, it helps to keep us on track. So if we go to the internet, we said before, also called the fitna net, if we say Bismillah before we turn on, or as we turn on the computer, or laptop, whatever, we say Bismillah, this is a reminder to help us stay on track. So we don't go on the computer, because we know if our intention to go on the computer is for something which is haram, not pleasing to Allah, then it's difficult for us to say Bismillah, and then go open up your computer. If there's any mustard seed of Iman in our hearts, we will be very shy. It will be impossible for us to say, Bismillah and go and do it. It's like saying Bismillah and taking a glass of alcohol. So, if we find that we don't want to say Bismillah, we want to go ahead and do it without saying Bismillah, then this is, this is a guide for us. This is a reminder for us that whatever activity we're about to do is one we should not be doing. One we should not be doing. So, we begin Bismillah, and as the Prophet ﷺ had said to some of his younger companions who were around him, eat with your right and eat from what is in front of you. Eat with your right and eat from what is in front of you. 
eating with the right, of course, Prophet ﷺ had said that we should eat and drink with the right and not with the left. Because Satan drinks with the left. He attached eating and drinking with the left to the way of Satan, the satanic way, which opposes the divine way. So if the divine way is with the right, then Satan will do it with the left. Of course, some people raise the issue, what about the lefty? The person who was born where the left is the strongest uh, hand. And if we compare right hand, left hand, the right hand for most people is the stronger hand. For some people it's the left. Allah left it as a sign. He is Akbar. Allahu Akbar. So some people have greater strength in their left. Meaning that whenever they have to do anything, the left hand goes out first. The left hand goes out to do this thing first. They write with their left, catch the ball, throw it with their left. Everything with the left. So what is this? Is this unfair to the lefties? You know, is the deen of Islam not comprehensive enough to take into account everybody? It's favoring the right-handers. Some people say, it's probably because Muhammad Sallallahu was a right-hander. That's why he chose the right. This is instruction from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The lefty is not left out. The Prophet Sallallahu had said, when you clean yourself, you clean yourself with what hand? The left hand. So he's not been left out. Naturally, the tendency of the right-hander is to want to clean himself with the right. That's his better hand, he has more control. So cleaning with the left is something like you have to learn, it's not so easy. Whereas for the lefty, it's easy. It's advantage. So, it's not been left out. You know, Islam is comprehensive. Takes into account all of the situations. So, the right hand, while being associated with the good things, the left hand is associated with the negative things. But still, you have to do things with your left hand too. Some things with your right and some things with your left. So, when it comes to eating and drinking, we are commanded by Rasulullah to do so with the right. Some people who for cultural reasons, and this is a widespread cultural practice, feel that 
when we eat, because we're still eating with the hands, Prophet ﷺ did eat with his right hand, literally. If you're dealing with a knife and fork, what does this mean? You've got a knife in your right hand, fork in the left hand. That is the traditional way, that's the normal way that people use a knife and fork. Knife in the right, left is the fork. For the lefty, he'll put the knife in the right. Uh, left, sorry, the knife in the left and fork in the right. So for him, he's got an advantage. He uses the knife to cut and then he sticks it with the fork and he eats with the right. It's easier for him. For us, the majority right-handers, to switch the knife and fork over and start to do it, oh, now we have a challenge. Something we have to learn, it's not so easy. You've been used to doing it the other way around, but really that is the better way. That is the better way to do it. Because the fork is the instrument which carries the food to the mouth. So that way you don't make a mistake, you don't forget. It's better to put that fork in the right hand. However, for a lot of righties, it's just they got to have the knife in the right hand. So what you do is you cut up your food into the bits and pieces that you want to eat. Then you put the knife down, take your fork, and then do the rest. That's okay too. It works. Now, when it comes to drinking, this is the problem. Many of us have been raised in a culture or in cultures where drinking with the left hand has become the norm. Drinking with the left hand for people from Philippines to Egypt and on. It is the custom to drink with the left when you eat with your hands. Why? Because they are very careful not to eat with the left. So the hand that gets grease and biryani and whatever else on the hand is the right hand. So then after that, for you to go pick up your glass with your right hand, uh, you know, you got the glass dirty. So people say, better you take it with the left hand, and we've been trained that from childhood. You take it with the left hand, and you place your right hand underneath, and you continue to drink with your left hand. Because that's what you're doing. You are drinking with the left hand. This hand is only symbolic. I'm giving symbolic value to the Prophet's command by putting my right hand at the bottom of the grass, touching it. You're drinking with your left hand. A widespread practice. Basic. This is basic Islam here. This is not 
the zakah and distribution of zakah and hajj. And this is simple stuff. This is daily stuff. Every day. Every day, so many Muslims sit down and disobey the Prophet ﷺ with every meal. And then we wonder, why is the curse of Allah upon us? Different things happening to us. We wonder, why, why, why us? Why are Muslims suffering like this? We have to ask ourselves. If something so basic, we can consistently disobey the Prophet ﷺ. And you know what happened? In the Prophet's time, when he was sitting and eating, and a man uh, was eating with his left, he said, eat with your right. The man said, I can't. He just said, I can't. Not that he really couldn't. But he just wanted to be obstinate. I can't. So the Prophet ﷺ made dua against him and his left hand shriveled. His left hand shriveled up so he couldn't eat anymore with the left. Now, if this thing, some people say, ah, it's just a small matter. That's just a little thing. Eating with your left, with your right, you know. Muslims are being killed in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya. And you're talking about eating with the left and the right? Well, hey, if it was such a little thing, would the Prophet ﷺ make dua against this man? And Allah cause his hand to shrivel? Is it such a little thing? Is it so insignificant? Does it make sense? It means no. It, it has to do with the concept. Don't focus on the act itself of eating with the left or eating with the right. Don't focus on the act. Focus on the command of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's what we have to focus on. There is a command here. There is a prohibition here. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu has forbidden the drinking and eating with the left hand. So we don't have the right to consider it insignificant, scorn it, look down on it. No big deal. There are bigger issues. No, we don't have the right to do that. And if we do that, then it means we are astray. It means we are astray. Because for sure, if we can't deal with something so small and quote-unquote insignificant as that, then how are we going to deal with the big things? The real significant challenges that the Muslim world is faced with. How are we going to deal with it? We can't. Those little things are training, training grounds for dealing with the big things. Prophet ﷺ warned us, إِيَّاكُمْ وَمُحَقَّرَاتِ الذُّنُوبِ 
Beware of the scorned sins. The ones people say, no big deal. It's small. It's insignificant. It's a little sin. We got the big ones to deal with. So it's training. The whole of the deen, all aspects of the deen is a part of a training system. And we work with the smaller things and we work our way up to the bigger things. We establish those smaller things where we don't hesitate to do Allah's command in those smaller things. Then when the big thing comes, inshallah, we have been trained in obedience. Because what is Islam but obedience? What is worship of Allah but in essence obedience? So, brothers and sisters, Although, as I said, this is relatively speaking a small matter, know that it has huge implications. Huge implications. So please, tackle it, correct it, prevent your families from Continuing in this open disobedience of Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam About whom Allah said وَمَن يُتِعِ الرَّسُولِ فَقَدْ أَطَاعَ اللَّهِ Whoever obeys the Messenger has obeyed Allah So this disobedience is ultimately disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something we can change. It's not something which is world, you know, global issue. In the sense that it's so complex and, and uh, big and tough to deal with that you know we feel lost how do we tackle this one no this is something which is right there in front of us every day one of the main things that we do every single day is eating it's there so let us correct this let us establish that sunnah re-establish the sunnah in our homes. So focus on the concept. Don't focus on the act. It is the concept behind it of obedience to the command of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam which is obedience to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So we correct that and begin a new generation because of course if we all here in the masjid start this in our families, we will be starting, we will be reviving the sunnah of Rasulullah and it will spread. Because this practice of eating with the left, where did it come from? 
It's not from the Sahaba or the Tabi'een, the righteous generation. It's not from them. That would be completely unthinkable. So it meant somebody somewhere. And of course that individual, he has got a serious set of haram on his scale of deeds on the day of judgment. Because that one man, whoever he was, who first decided to eat with his left, using this logic, passed it on to those around him, and they passed it on, passed it on, till now, the ummah, majority of the ummah is eating and is drinking with their left hand, he carries the sin of all of those people. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever, man sanna sunnatan sayyi'ah, whoever makes or begins an evil sunnah, he will carry the sin of everyone who follows him until the last day. That is huge. So, let us be among those who begin the good sunnah. The sunnah of drinking with the right, and then all who would from us correct themselves, pass it on, change happens in the ummah on this level, we get the reward of everyone who follows us until the last day. And believe me, it will make a difference. We might not see it, might say, mm, yeah, it's a good thing. But the difference, the big difference, no, no, no. Don't look at it this way. Believe that the revival of the sunnah, the revival of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it will have a huge impact in the ummah. Because it was the following of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which took Muslims to where they reached. That's the reason why they reached where they reached. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring us back to this small sunnah. To give it the importance that it deserves. To forgive us for contradicting and violating this sunnah for so many years. We ask Allah to forgive our parents, our relatives, our forefathers who handed this legacy of disobedience down to us. We ask Allah to bless us for taking this new path and to reward us for all those who would follow it until the last day. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين من كل دم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله <clears throat> All praise is due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on the last messenger of Allah. 
With regards to the <coughs> remembrance of Allah in our eating, of course, whenever we consider what Rasulullah told us with regards to eating, we are remembering Allah. So among the basic principles or pillars of eating, the etiquette of eating in Islam, is that we eat a third, drink a third, and leave a third for breathing. We eat a third, drink a third, and leave a third for breathing. Now, people may ask, well, how do you figure that out? How do you figure out what is a third? Well, if you want to actually measure it, it's measurable. It is measurable. You go to Google, Sheikh Google, and you ask him, what is the capacity of the stomach? He'll tell you so much in liters. Okay, you're not liter, what's a liter, an ounce and all this. Just go to your juice container. It tells you liters. Okay, so you can see, oh, okay. So many liters, it's a volume. It's not weight, it's volume. So many cups, glassfuls, make a liter. So, then that has told you how much you should drink, how much you should eat in volume, and what you should leave space. It's calculable. Of course, those who are used to overindulging, because when they give you on Sheikh Google what is the capacity of the stomach, they're giving you the capacity of the normal stomach. <laughs> Not the capacity of people who are used to gorging themselves on a regular basis, overeating, because the stomach is like a balloon. The more air you blow in it, the bigger it gets. So it's the same thing. It is an expandable organ. So if you're used to really packing it in every time, every meal you're just piling it in, then your stomach gets bigger, bigger, and bigger. So your capacity now, maybe double or triple what the normal person's capacity is. But even you, who normally eat so much, if you follow this principle, of course for you it will be a bigger trial. Right? Because you're two-thirds now, what was supposed to be two-thirds of what you had reached, this two-thirds is maybe only a third or a sixth. Right? So now you're only eating a sixth and you're eating and still being seriously hungry. So it's real trial for you. Right? But the point is that if you're able to control yourself, then it will, because the stomach again, if you, if you stop packing it in and you set a spe specific regime of how much you're going to eat, then the stomach starts to decrease. It'll go back down to its normal size. And then when you eat that two-thirds, you will feel not full because that's the whole point. 
you don't fill your stomach. And the Prophet ﷺ emphasized that saying, the worst container that a human being can fill is his stomach. The worst container. You have containers, things which contain things, you pour things in them all the time. Right? The worst one to fill is the stomach. This is prophetic advice. This is prophetic advice. So, if we are able to take this on, it would make a difference for most of us. Because now we are in a generation. We are in a generation, according to WHO, World Health Organization, from the year 2004 onwards, for the first time in recorded human history, the number of people who were obese is greater than the number of people who are starving. This is the state of the world today. The number of people who are obese would exceed the number of people who are starving. And Prophet Muhammad in Sahih al-Bukhari, when talking about the future, the signs of the last day, the coming of the last day, he said, وَيَذْهَرْ فِيهِ مُسْلِمًا And there would appear among them, amongst the Muslims, obesity. Because in the Prophet's time, this is very uncommon. Only people who had medical problems you know, because for some people, okay, there's a medical thing. I'm not talking about the average person. We're talking about special people. They have some problems where they eat a little bit, they get fat. You know, no matter how little they eat, this seems to be... So, obviously, there has to be some other system to control their weight, etc., etc. But, we're talking about the norm. So, the norm amongst the Muslim ummah was for people to be of moderate build. Moderate or lean. They lived, you know, lives which was active, etc. So that obesity, and they didn't, uh, you know, this luxury eating styles, lifestyles, etc. wasn't there. So people maintained a natural state. They were not obese. Obesity was rare. But the Prophet ﷺ said, among the signs of the coming of the last day, was that obesity would now appear amongst Muslims. Meaning it becomes prominent. It becomes known. It's, we see it all around us. Not everybody is, but it's become now common. And of course, where we see it most commonly, unfortunately, is among the shuyukh. Isn't it? Well, the typical picture of a sheikh is that he is obese. Astaghfirullah. I mean, it should be the least amongst them. Those who are knowledgeable, because they know the hadith of Rasul and everything else. But, and this is a part of the misguidance in practice of 
those who are scholars amongst us, due to their own negligence. They may be fine in fiqh and certain other areas and giving this information, but in this personal matter, which is connected, it's all interconnected, they have fallen astray. I'm not saying, okay, anytime you see a sheikh who is obese, don't take any fatwas from him, no. Please don't misunderstand me, don't go away. Dr. Bilal said, no, please. Right. I'm not saying that. This is a personal fault. This is a personal fault. And human beings are human beings. If you need knowledge about inheritance, what are the portions needed, etc., then you go to the sheikh. You get the knowledge from him. If you need knowledge about how to lose weight, don't go to him. Right? That's the point. That's reality. That's common sense. Don't go to him. Doesn't make sense. Why are you going to ask him? But in other matters, matters which have to do with the deen, etc., laws, rules, etc., then you go to him. So, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring us back to the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To pray for him and to ask for Allah's peace and blessings to be upon him because of who he was and what he did. To respect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose him to be our guide and to take him truly as our guide. To live in accordance with the way that he brought and to avoid the things which he forbade and discouraged. We ask Allah to keep us firm, to keep us consistent and to keep us devoutly committed to this way. We ask Allah to forgive our negligence, our weaknesses and our sins which have passed. O oh Allah, give us the good of the things of this world that you have blessed us with and protect us from its evil. We ask Allah, O oh Allah, give us the good from our wives and our children and protect us from the evil which may come from them. And we ask Allah to give us the good from the knowledge that He has given us and to give us the blessing and the grace to carry that knowledge to others. We ask Allah, O oh Allah, give us the good of this life and the good of the life to come. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار أقم الصلاة